Welcome everyone to episode 178 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club and Jamie Barton as we discuss Liverpool's 5-1 win over West Ham. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool with an emphatic victory in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. They beat in West Ham 5-1 at Anfield. Dominic Sobberslight with yet another worldie to open the scoring just before the half-hour mark. And it was still 1-0 at half-time, but then all the goals really started to flow in the second half. Ten minutes into it, Curtis Jones makes it 2-0. Cody Gakpo pretty much seals the win in the 71st minute. Jared Bowen did get one back for West Ham. who barely threatened all game, but then Liverpool made 100% sure of their progression with a quick fire. A double from Salah, first of all, and then Jones in the final 10 minutes. And it means they set up a semi-final meeting with Fulham. And then the other game, Middlesbrough played Chelsea. And obviously the winners of those two ties, which will take place in January, head to Wembley for the final. And we'll talk about um, the picture in this competition and... Um, Liverpool's next opponent a little bit later on, but we'll start as we usually do with a um, a three-word match review and an assessment of the performance. So I'll come to you first on this one, Jamie. Um, was that Liverpool's best show of the season? Do you think? I think it's up there. I think uh, Aston Villa at home, the three-nil earlier in the season, uh, particularly given Villa's form now and and the team that they appear to be becoming this season is probably still pips it but particularly off the back of of uh what was a very disappointing performance of the weekend this is the perfect way to bounce back and and uh i'd say it's certainly up there and it's nice to see the kind of goals spread around and some more goals from from forwards as well because that was becoming a bit of a concern so it's it's up there with the best performances of the season for sure i agree with that to be fair um i've gone with the ideal response. I think you touched on something similar in your answer there. Um, there was a lot of, I think, pessimism and, and concern within the fan base based on what I saw on social media after the results against United. I think there was a feeling that those results kind of do happen, which is obviously you were disappointed not to beat a United team that really was sort of looking so vulnerable. But I think more than that, it was the fact that there have been so many unconvincing performances in succession. People were starting to question, hang on, how good is this team actually? Because it's all well and good when those performances lead to victories. But then when they don't, then what does it say about the actual quality of the side? But this, I think, was a helpful and timely reminder of that. Um, of the fact that Liverpool are obviously a top quality team. And I think they were clearly on it from the first whistle. They started the game very strongly, I think. There was a period where they sort of, I mean, kind of throughout the first half, they struggled to create huge chances. A, a lot of shots from kind of decently long range again. Um, but then, and obviously get the goal through Sobber Slide, um, which is just a moment of pure individual class um, to, to break West Ham down in the first place. And then in the second half, that's when they really just started sizing them open. Uh, and that, that was some of the best football we've seen all season, definitely. And I think, before I bring you in, Dan, the one thing I wanted to say as well is how good that was sort of defensively, because sometimes if you don't keep a clean sheet, it's easy to cross over that. But, I mean, the goal itself, I mean, maybe Kwanzaa could do better. Um, but even then, it's still a very difficult one to execute from Bowen. That was only West Ham's second shot of the game, and it came in, in what was it, the 75th minute? 77th minute, so... 
Liverpool just, you know, completely controlled this one um, from start to finish, really. I mean, I, I find it unbelievable that a team with the equality that West Ham has didn't, weren't able to get a shot away in that time. And I'm sure their fans are furious with Moyes' tactics and things like that and, and their performance. But at the same time, I think it's a credit to how well Liverpool was set up that they just completely suffocated them throughout. And I think that's maybe been a bit more of a positive recently. I think it's only since the uh, international break, um, ex- excluding the game against Union SJ, I've top of my head, it's like two goals conceded from open play or something like that. And one of them was obviously that bow and goal last night to Liverpool. I think they're doing really well off the ball now. And if they can start to marry that with some more smooth attacking performance like we saw yesterday, then um, they're going to be in a very good position. But I'll bring you in now, Dan. Um, what would your three-word summary of that be and your just general assessment of that performance? Yeah, my three words would be more like it because kind of in line what you guys have, have referred to there, I think, you know, West Ham will get a lot of stick, certainly from the fans that travel up and 6,000 of them come all the way on a, on a pretty cold and windy and wet Wednesday night and that's not an easy trip to make, of course. And they'll sort of point towards the changes they made and all that type of stuff. And obviously Liverpool made changes as well. But I just don't think we let them at any point get into the game. You mentioned the word suffocated there. And it was quite evident early on that our pressing, our off-the-ball work, our intensity was absolutely at it. And we deserve a lot of credit for that. And I think some of it, we'll talk about individual performances in a moment, but the, the lads that came into the side were absolutely on it from the get-go, with Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, etc. So, yeah, a proper performance from Liverpool. And I think... As much as the game on the weekend against Manchester United was very frustrating, yesterday had all the hallmarks. We had we we dominated as much as we did last night on Sunday. It's just the final third stuff wasn't happening, whereas last night it all clicked together against West Ham. So, yeah, a much more Liverpool-type performance, I think. Very efficient, very clean, certainly in the final third, as I mentioned. So, yeah, I was made up, to be honest. And I think you've, you touched on the intensity and the press in there. That harks back to Liverpool of old for me. And that was when we were at our very best, when we were just a nightmare to play against. Opposition sides must have hated it. And I think West Ham would come into that game yesterday with a little bit of confidence. They could at least lay a glove on us or at least wobble us. And we never give them a sniff. So for me, it was um, yeah a much more pleasing performance. One of the best of the season. I know, Jamie, you probably ranked it sort of second behind Villa. And I probably tend to agree with that. I think we got Villa at a good time because had that have been two or three weeks later, it might have been a different story potentially. But yeah, I haven't seen us be as as feral and as difficult to play against at all this season against what was a decent West Ham side because I looked on the team sheets before the game started obviously and I thought okay yeah that is a strong side they're probably evenly matched in terms of the changes we both made but for us to do what we did to them was proper and it was the type of performance you touched on at a moment ago we needed on the back of Man United and I think it's the perfect springboard and the perfect preparation going into Arsenal as well yeah, I think you make a really good point in terms of like expecting the game to be much more difficult than that. Obviously, West Ham, you know, they, they rested um a few players in there, which maybe helped Liverpool a bit, but still, you know, the, the extent of dominance, you know, that doesn't just explain it. I mean, I was watching the Chelsea Newcastle game on um on Tuesday, which went to penalties, and I just sort of thought to myself, you kind of had the vibe that this one might also end up going all the way. Like is when West Ham came to players in October, they they made a, a decent game of it as well. Um, and they'd obviously, I think barring that game against Fulham, they've been a pretty good form lately too. But Liverpool just made it look like a complete 
non-event and um it was like playing a team from the championship really um that, that that's how and again that's not even me criticizing west ham too much that's just a sign of how much of a pool you know took a grip of the game um it's a really really good performance and um pretty strong across the board um the standout individual though was was curtis jones scoring twice i'll, I'll stay with you dan because I mean, we talked about his performance last night, but there was the thing, main thing that jumped out to him actually was a quote from Klopp in his post-match interview where he said, he basically pointed out what he kind of considers a weakness with Jones and he said he needs to speed the game up more. I mean, what did you make of that? It made me smile, to be honest, because it's the very same criticism that's been labelled to Curtis Jones ever since he came into the side, pretty much, from every single Liverpool fan um, across social media and beyond, to be honest. And I think it's something he has worked on and got better at since he first arrived. I think there's no two ways about that. I think I often, when I speak about Curtis Jones, I often hark back or reference the fact that when he came up through the academy, he was very much the lad. He was the one. He got the ball and it was his ball and he was going to make things happen. And if he didn't make things happen, there's obviously talented footballers around him. Of course there was. But he was the standout. He was the captain. Get the ball to Curtis. Get the ball to Curtis and we'll see what goes from there. And it felt like that took a little bit of training out of him. Because he's then come into the first team whereby he's not the star, he's just one of many. And in, in often he's a young lad in a team full of stars. And you don't want him sort of chewing the ball up. You want him to give it to the Salas, the Diazes, the Firminos, the Manes in previous um, iterations, of course. And I think it's a fair criticism. I do. I think it's definitely something, like I say, we've needed to sort of coach out of him. I think there was moments last night where he did it as well. I know people around me in the ground were getting quite frustrated with him that he was taking too many touches. But I've been really impressed with Curtis Jones. He's clearly a very intelligent footballer. And his sort of transformation from the guy who was in the academy, who essentially played as a left winger, who was all the flair, he was all the tricks, he scored the goals, he provided the assists, he was the main guy. To go from that to being what is often essentially a bit of a cog in a wheel, almost doing a Gino Wijnaldum impression as that left-sided eight, it takes some doing like to learn so quickly that you're you're not him anymore. You need to be more than that. And I still think he's got moments. We've seen two last night. He has those flashes of inspiration. He's got bags and bags of quality. But overall, playing in a game clock midfield, you need to just be efficient sometimes. And I think that's where he struggled to make that transition. But... I think generally speaking, for somebody so young who's probably, was it two years now into doing it, 18 months potentially, really, with a few injury setbacks along the way, I think it's a fair criticism, but I think his development and his, his like I say, his transformation has been exceptional. So he now, the fact we can have a conversation around Curtis Jones, ousting the likes of Ryan Gravenberch, regardless of his fitness, is testament to just how brilliant Curtis Jones is. I think we underestimate him as well. He's one of them for me, similar to Harvey Elliott on the other side, whereby if he was playing for somebody else and doing the types of things he was doing, Liverpool fans would be having conversations around him, saying, oh, we should be looking at that lad. He looks really good. Jacob Ramsey, Aston Villa, by the way. He's brilliant, by the way. But people like that, you go, oh, he looks talented, doesn't he? Liverpool should really be keeping an eye on him. We own him, and he's superb. And again, his switch from what he was to what he's becoming I've been really really impressed with and he frustrates me of course he does because there are times whereby he takes too long on the ball and he'll lose it and I actually think earlier on the season post red card he lost a little bit of rhythm not quite sure what that was down to but all of a sudden again based on last night he looked bang at it and if Gravenberg is fit he's given Klopp an almighty headache ahead of the weekend 
Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily, you know, get to Anfield every single week, but every time I do go, it's quite a common theme to see people in the ground frustrated at, at Curtis Jones. There's a bit of a unique um, relationship between him and the fans um, at times, let's say. But I think you made some really interesting points there, Dan. And I just wonder, you know, we're sort of seeing maybe almost the we're not quite the finished product with Jones. I mean, he's still only. 22, but we've seen a player who's who's come on so much and evolved so much since his kind of breakthrough at Liverpool, and it's exciting to think about what that kind of final version could look could look like, and whether that's in two years or or three or however long it takes. Just you know, if, if Klopp regards that as sort of the last weakness that remains, and he can get him to be a bit quicker um, in kind of offloading the ball, then you know you just wonder how high a level he could get to, and it is exciting and nights. Like last night, uh, reminders of of the amount of talent he possesses. Um, the other midfielder who got on the score sheet yesterday was Sobislai. I mean, Jamie, the, the question I want to ask on him is twofold. I mean, a, what did you sort of think of that goal last night? I know Carragher used the word Ronaldo esque um, to describe it. And b, what have you made of the discussion around his form and his performance levels after the weekend against Man United? Because Part of me wonders if it has been slightly overblown, some of the criticism or the questions surrounding Sabasai. Yeah, I mean, to answer the first part of your question, uh, I, I agree with, with Carragher. It's, I think he said it, it's a very modern way of striking the ball, which which I agree with, that that kind of that dip that you get right at the end, right in front of the goalkeeper, I think, uh, must be so, so difficult to deal with. And, and also is... Very, very satisfying to see go in the back of the net as well, which helps helps from our perspective. So, I mean, you know, we we we've known that he's got that in his locker. Uh, there have been times this season to kind of halfway touch on your second point, where despite knowing what a weapon that shot is, I wish he might maybe played the final pass a bit bit more often. Uh, particularly in the United game, I think there was one he he put over early-ish in, in the game and, and I think someone was wide on the right. I'm not exactly sure who. Um, but at the same time, if he can do that and he's already done that, what is that? His fourth goal for Liverpool, third from outside the box. Um, who who am I to tell him to to not have a, have a strike, get his head up and, and go for goal if that's kind of already in the half a season that we've seen he's got three of them. And so why not really? And and I think to touch on on your second point, I think it's probably been a little overblown, um, some of the criticism towards him. I think it's tricky when when he started as well as he did. Uh, and and uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to... I was the first one, or not the first one, but I was am, amongst those who were going very early on him. And obviously, I'm not going to... I wasn't sitting there and comparing him to Gerard, but those those kind of conversations were happening kind of what, five, six, seven games into his Liverpool career, and that can't have been easy for him. Uh, he's never played the amount of football that he's currently playing. He's captain of his national team, and and they uh, eventually did qualify, I think, for, for the... Uh, was it the World Cup or the Euros? God, I can't remember. Euros next, isn't it? Euros, that's the one. God. What year is it? No. Um, so that's obviously been weighing, well, not weighing heavy on him, but that's a responsibility that he has to take care of. And he's the captain of his national team. He's tried to impress at his new club. 
he's playing a lot of football. So there are a lot of kind of mitigating factors and, and you see him coming off quite early in a lot of games that he's been starting. And I think Klopp is very much keeping an eye on his fitness. But yesterday was kind of back to the kind of performances he was producing at the beginning of the season. I was, I was getting very frustrated early on before his goal. His touch was off. There were a few moments, I think, particularly that one where Jones dribbles inside and Elliot ends up having the strike where he cuts inside and just goes over the bar, where if Soberslai had managed to kind of get it under control, Elliot was kind of, he could have slipped in Elliot and it would have been an even better chance. So his touch seemed a little bit off. But as soon as he got that goal, I think it, it, it kind of boosted his confidence. Levels. I don't think his confidence is low, but it just felt like a kind of a switch flicked and and he was kind of back in the groove. And I was actually having a conversation with my with my mate about this before the game as to why he was starting Soberslide because there have been kind of potential issues of fatigue that, that we've seen creeping into his game. Uh, and we, we were wondering whether it was a kind of case of start him and Elliot and whoever impresses the most, you take them off early and then they get the nod against Arsenal. But I think after that, despite Elliot's performance, I, I don't see Soberslide not starting at the weekend. Yeah, I think he, he kind of came out with a lot of energy from the first whistle in this game and he looked like someone who was kind of determined to respond to that noise around his performance against United and for me in terms of his kind of general performance levels there's no doubt that he hasn't been maybe at the the height he was in those first few weeks of season recently but it's hard for me to kind of separate watching him from what I was seeing in midfield last season in terms of the lack of energy um, the lack of sort of running power you know the lack of, of of technical technical skill in some moments, and because he so consistently provides glimpses of all three of those things, that I think I'm just still grateful that he's a Liverpool player, as opposed to thinking about what he isn't doing, and and maybe that's something that I, I personally need to work on when I'm kind of watching these games. But yeah, I thought as much as there was a little bit of a drop off, I don't think he's necessarily been out of form. Um, I just think he's not been necessarily at his best, but hopefully. Um, a game like tonight is a is a launch pad because you know there's no game like last night. Sorry, because there's no better time, obviously, for him to go in top form than before that game at the weekend, which we'll come on to a little bit later. Um, anybody else, um, Dan, who who you think kind of deserves a bit of a, a shout out after last night? I've got a few potentially noted down here, but you know there was a lot of kind of strong individuals, both in the starting lineup and on the bench, really. Yeah, there certainly was, yeah. I'd probably sort of reserve most praise for those that aren't necessarily sort of nailed on starters um, within the lineup. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk was Virgil van Dijk and so on and so forth. I think Simicat had another good game, to sort of mention him in passing. But I think Harvey Elliott, once again, certainly given the fact he played right wing for the majority, until obviously Salah came on, they dropped back into what is now his more familiar right-sided eight role. I think he was really impressive. His use of the ball was brilliant, really intelligent movement, um, just wanted it all the time as well. Yeah, really liked him. And he was right in front of me first half as well, which was an interesting watch. Really, really impressed with him. I also would categorise Vitaro Endo in this conversation, albeit he's now sort of a nailed on starter, whilst McAllister is sidelined, of course. But I think that was probably his best game in Liverpool shirt, if I'm being honest. I thought he was everything and more we'd expect from our six. We haven't quite seen it yet. I think he got better 
as his Liverpool career has progressed, albeit still very young, of course, in that career. But yeah, I thought he was outstanding. And I think Joel Quanta, once again, you mentioned earlier on, maybe a little bit of fault for the goal potentially. But I think that aside, I mean, what a performance. Just monstrous at the back. And not just his defending, his use of the ball. I'm so, so impressed all the time. His passing range is outstanding. He's not afraid to get on it and try and carry it forwards as well. So yeah, another massive performance from him. And the last one I'd probably mention, there are loads, of course there are, but I thought to a man yesterday we were excellent. But Joe Gomez, Joe Gomez once again, he's getting closer and closer to that goal as well, by the way. He wants it, you can tell. But um, again, offering just that, something different really from, from right back, especially, I know he switches over to left back later on in the game when Bradley comes on. But yeah, he's just offering that. He's got a real... He doesn't have the quality of Trent from right back. Of course he doesn't, because nobody in world football does. But what he has is this running power. And obviously he's got the stamina, he's got the pace, and he just causes different types of problems from right back. So with Trent now seemingly more than happy, happy as he's ever been to sort of wander into midfield, whether it be a six or an eight, having Gomez playing the way he's playing at right back is ideal because it just gives problems different types of problems to defenders and I've been so pleased with him and he looked confident at the minute. He looks he looks like he trusts himself, quite frankly. And I don't think he did a lot of times last season. He looked sort of nervous about whether his own performance was going to be up to standard, whether his body could do it. But all of a sudden now he looks like back to Joe Gomez of old. But if anything, he looks he looks more like a, a man, like a seasoned pro because he's quicker, he's bigger, he's stronger. He looks like he's really sort of He's found a home now. He's found peace within what role he is. And that may never be the starting central defender alongside the Virgin Van Dijk again. But just as things stand, he looks absolutely primed to do a good job for Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, I think what he lacks in sort of quality in the final third of times, it's just natural considering, you know, the fact that he's predominantly a centre-back. He makes up for with just kind of the kind of enthusiasm and the vigour that he, that he plays with in those situations. Um, there was a tweet from um, an account on Twitter um, that said that uh, this Joe Gomez goal tease that's been going on this season, he's going to get a massive one in a crucial moment. This is what the whole history of the club's been leading to, essentially. Um, which I think it, it does kind of have that feel that it's building to a bit of a crescendo with the fact that he seems to be getting closer and closer. Um with his shots, but yeah, I think um, he had a good game last night. I mean, the ones that, that I've mentioned are uh, Trent obviously getting a couple of assists off the bench. Interesting, maybe conversation there about him doing that from that sort of number six role or what happened on Saturday. Um, Cody Gakpo, good to see him on the score sheet. Bit of a relief, to be fair, um, to see a forward not named Salah score. Um, hadn't scored in his last five, two in his last ten, but a really sort of clinical finish from him. And then I felt for Nunez a bit because I thought all round that was one of his best games this season. You know, really good defensive work, made all the right decisions with the ball, executed the passes, um, just couldn't score. Hits the post with a really good shot from the edge of the box. Um, so it's frustrating because if that was, you know, if you'd been scoring in the past few games, then you'd, you'd be really encouraged by that last night. But I think if you're Nunez, you're just going to walk off frustrated that you haven't managed to um and that goal drought even though i think it was generally he played really well um so i think you've got to be kind of balanced on that one um so those would be the other ones that i pick out is obviously salah getting a goal off the bench as well to redeem himself for um, a bit of a poor miss 
But um, you know, that's just a, a bit automatic, isn't it? Really, you know, Salah getting those contributions. But Liverpool have been drawn against Fulham in the next round. Um, like I said at the start, Middlesbrough playing Chelsea in the other semi-final. Jamie, on a scale of of one to ten, how confident are you that Liverpool will, will go on from here and win the competition? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight. I am very. I'm, I'm. I'm confident. I'm going big. I think in 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 a way, strangely, although because of just the nature of the teams left in the tournament, no draw was going to be awful. This is probably the the worst one that it could have been. You don't really get the kind of the the advantage of having the weakest side up next, Middlesbrough, and maybe giving Fulham a chance to to take the next strongest side, Chelsea, out. So that's a bit of a shame. And on the other side of the coin, you don't get the the chance to play the best team left in the competition over the two legs to avoid any kind of freak result in the final. You get the kind of middle ground where you expect Chelsea will will progress pretty easily past Middlesbrough. And we have maybe a bit of a trickier task. And obviously away from home in the second leg is is probably not the one you'd choose. But having said that, these are four teams that if we were playing them in a league game, even, even away, I think, um, You'd, you'd expect us to get the three points in the league. And so there's no reason why we shouldn't really be be going on. I haven't checked the the odds, but I would imagine we are heavy, heavy favourites at this point. Um, and so it's looking like, and I don't want to jump the gun, because um, Fulham are a tough side and Klopp will be drilling that into the players straight away. You already heard him after the draw last night talking about how good a team they are. Our record against them isn't fantastic. Um, obviously, we all know what happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, but realistically, these are four teams that we should be beating, I would say, comfortably, other than maybe in the case of Chelsea. Uh, and another Chelsea final is uh, another one to add to the collection of nil-nils and then us beating them on penalties. So I'm all for that. Yeah, you just don't have to wonder that the... Um... It's not going to be finally Chelsea's turn if it if it ends up being that final again, which it looks like it it might well be. But obviously, there's a job for both teams to do before then. Um, and Liverpool's run up to this point, I mean, to get to the final, having played Leicester, West Ham, and Fulham at home, and then Bournemouth away. I mean, that is let's be honest, that is a pretty kind sequence of games. It's not incredibly easy, but you know. Is definitely favourable. So there's a huge opportunity before them. Fulham, like you mentioned, have been a bit of an awkward opponent. But the one thing I would say in terms of the timing of, of playing Chelsea, maybe the way it's looking is that I suppose you could say Salah would be back to play Chelsea, and he's probably not going to be able to play in either leg against Fulham. Um, so maybe it kind of suits Liverpool a little bit more from that standpoint. But we'll see. You know, Fulham have been a, a bit of a bogey side, so we can't count any any chickens just yet. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the, the week beginning the 8th of January is the first leg and then the week beginning the 21st is the second. So, we'll, we'll kind of revisit that game a bit a little bit nearer the time. Um, do the one to touch on just before we finish today is the game against Arsenal on Saturday. First versus second Liverpool, a point behind coming into it. If they win, they can be top of Christmas. If they draw with Arsenal, Aston Villa could be top of Christmas. I mean, it's a, it's all very tight up there at the moment. Um Dan, do you look at Arsenal or City as the biggest sort of threat 
this season because Arsenal are higher up in the table, but everyone is wary of what City can be when they kind of fully click into gear. Yeah, interesting one. I still view it as City because, as you mentioned, we've we've, we've seen, we've lived and we've been on the wrong end of Manchester City clicking into gear and going on ridiculous 14-15 game winning streaks. So, yeah, I still still view it as Manchester City because you just expect, you anticipate that once they get up and running, they've got Kevin De Bruyne coming back into the fold, of course. You just you just know they won't carry on being a little bit rubbish for the remainder of the season. We, we're well-versed in that now as Liverpool fans, unfortunately. However, I am beginning to ever so slightly waver on that because the more City do drop points in unexpected fixtures like Crystal Palace before they were jetted off to the Club World Cup, of course, and the more Arsenal keep winning, you kind of have to look at the other one and go, okay, maybe it is Arsenal. But just as things stand right now, I'd still view City as the main rivals to that. Um, Having said that, that doesn't mean I wouldn't take sort of doing a number on Arsenal to sort of knock them down a peg or two. And also, I think it's more because... If you offered me now, we're going to be in a running title race with one of those teams, I'd, I'd bite your hand off for Arsenal. Like You give me a last 10-game shootout with any of them. It's Arsenal all day long and twice on a Sunday because although they obviously went relatively close last season, not massively so in my humble opinion, but we know, again, we know what Manchester City are capable of when push comes to shove. They're coursing distance in this. Pep Guardiola is whatever I think of him or what people think of him when it comes to sort of getting a team over the line and winning games on a consistent basis, he does that. We don't know if Mikel Arteta does yet. So, yeah, I think I still just about view it as City. But if we were having this conversation with this sort of points difference in, I don't know, February, March, it'd obviously be a different conversation. And I would be delighted because, again, if we get in a proper title race, like a proper one, it's a little bit early for that yet. With Arsenal, I will be over the moon. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn because I think this Arsenal team is sort of a year ahead of Liverpool at the moment in terms of where they're at. Club oh. keeps calling it year one, whereas Arsenal, now this is their sort of second season right at the top of the table. They obviously rebuilt their team maybe over a slightly longer period than what Liverpool did. Um but, you know, they made it younger. They sort of, um, they were kind of unfancied last year and then they were in the race. And there's a lot of similarities between Arsenal last season and Liverpool this year, I think. Um, so I do think that, you know, they are a bit ahead. I think they've got a team that maybe looks a little bit more kind of complete, like there's fewer, you know, gaps in there in terms of like, you know, Liverpool, for example, not having that sort of specialist number six, Arsenal having Declan Rice, who's obviously one of the very best in the world in that role. So, I think Arsenal at the moment, you, I'd probably make sort of slight favourite head of Liverpool, but, you know, we've still got a January transfer window to come. We've still got a game against them to come, obviously, as well, where the two teams will be sort of matched up directly. I think they're playing each other three times in six weeks, so we're going to learn a lot, obviously, from those games with, with the FA Cup as well. Um, it's interesting that, you know, you talk about, you know, who you'd rather go up against and stuff, because with Arsenal, until a team has done it, you know, you they don't necessarily have that extra bit of fear factor. You know, they haven't won one of the two big competitions yet. Um, but you also think, you know, you think about Liverpool missing out on the title the way they did in eighteen nineteen. Obviously, a lot more points than Arsenal last year. But in a way, sort of that kind of failure and that kind of experience hardens you a bit. And I think it'll be very telling kind of come the run in this year in those crucial games. Is this still going to be an Arsenal side that looks kind of 
young and, and lacking in experience in those big moments or is it going to be one that has taken a lot from last year and that has kind of taken that necessary sort of mental step to marry up with the quality that they're showing in their performances they i think they look like they don't necessarily look like the most sort of spectacular team but they do look quite imperious i'd say and i'm expecting um potentially the the most difficult game of the season so far considering that we didn't necessarily catch maybe man city at their absolute best um coming the weekend even liverpool are at home um i want to talk about teams in a second but Jamie, I mean, coming into a game like this, you know, at Anfield just before Christmas, um, under the lights, all that, do you kind of feel more nerves or, or excitement for a fixture like this? Because it, it's the kind of game, in fairness, Liverpool wanted to be playing in last season when they played Arsenal at home. They were basically trying to salvage their slim top four hopes and stop Arsenal winning the title. Now they've got a chance of sort of really competing themselves. Yeah, there will always be nerves, but I think you've you've got to. This is what we're in it for, right? This is this is just as exactly what you how you put it. We're in it to to see the team compete in these massive games, and we put ourselves in a really really good position where we all know we all know what what happens if we win. We go top. Um, I think for Klopp as well, there's a really nice kind of symmetry is not quite the right word, but almost a kind of cyclical thing, which he can tell the squad, which I think it's this fixture last season where we see the beginning of this turnaround effectively in a way can be painted as the, the beginning of this season, although it happened before this season, obviously the, the change in shape and, and the run that we went on, we've, I th- I'm st- Still think I'm correct, and we've only lost that one league game against Spurs since since then, and we all know <laughs> what happened there. Um, so in Klopp's kind of pitching almost to the players, he can he can tell a really nice story. I think is where you came into that game at Anfield probably for the first time in a, a long time. We weren't favourites against Arsenal. Play the way they did, go on the run that they did. Effectively, that was the beginning, and this is the he, this is the culmination. You can say this is what it's all for because of that, and because of the, pay, the the steps that you've kind of put in place after that, fighting in a really big game again. It's an absolutely huge game. It's the top, as you said, it's, it's the top two in the table, and so he, he said about the crowd uh, and and them being up for the game. And there's conversations we can have about that, but there can be absolutely no doubt that the players are going to be bang up for this one. That's that's the most exciting thing you can you can watch as a supporter to see the players in a big game and also to know that they're in a big game and I think that's when hopefully we really come alive. So I'm 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 buzzing already. I can't wait. Yeah, I think there's going to be spells in this one where Liverpool have to suffer, and naturally, given the quality Arsenal have, but I also think there's going to be spells hopefully where where they can make Arsenal suffer and really show how good they are. Definitely an opportunity. In that regard, um, let's get some lineups before we um, finish with this episode. Then I'll come to you first, Dan. If you just run me through the eleven that that you would go with uh, for this game. Yeah, it's not as easy as I'd like it to be. This, um, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, obviously, Allison comes back in to play in goal. I, I would, I, I just just about fall down, and I've been one of the staunch sort of. Remainers when it comes to Trent sticking it right back, but I do wonder. Even I am starting to wave on that ever so slightly now. But I think for just just for now, I stick Trent right back still and sort of hold off on the midfield thing. Um, 
just maybe because of the magnitude of the game and it's not quite worth sort of experimenting if it is still an experiment of course um Ibu Kanate Virgil van Dijk Costas Simakas it's got to be Wataru for the time being because there's no McAllister and he probably warrants that anyway based on the way he's playing right now uh, so Bosley stays in the side of course he does um, despite the question marks around his form I think he put them to bed a little bit last night alongside Curtis Jones I think if Gravenberch is fit, great, and there is a dilemma there. But I think if there's even the slightest little bit of doubt around Gravenberch's fitness, you just go Curtis Jones. And he was outstanding last night, so he also warrants that. And then a front three. Wow, okay. A front three of Mohamed Salah, obviously, Cody Gakpo and Darwin Nunes. Interesting, obviously, a bit of a dialogue with the front line there. Something we've not mentioned was that we saw Nunez return to the left wing yesterday with Gakpo through the middle. I mean, what would you do in, in that area, Jamie, and indeed the, the rest of the team as well? My team is almost exactly the same, down to that area specifically. Um, it's tricky because I know you, you want to straddle the line between what you want and what you think Klopp will do. Diaz not playing much of the game yesterday suggests to me that he's nailed on uh, and I tend to kind of trust Klopp with as for one of the other two I'm going Nuno and that's a bit of a shame for Gakpo because obviously he plays plays pretty well yesterday and crucially he gets a goal and and I think even after that you can see his all-round game go up not not a crazy amount because he wasn't having a bad game beforehand but but it, it, just that kind of extra assurance on the ball but as as we touched on I think Nunez had a really good game as well I, I was really intrigued and I don't think he'll do this against Arsenal I think it was just purely so he could continue to see what Nunez looked like on the left but when Diaz came on he went up front and he went in the middle almost playing as this kind of false nine role and that's as far as I remember, the first time we've seen that, and that that looked really interesting. As I say, I don't think he'll do that against Arsenal. I think that was just he was enjoying watching Nunez on the left. Um, but it does give us an extra little option, I think, if you you end up in a situation where where Nunez is able to pull left and Diaz is able to come into the middle, and obviously they interchange already. But Nunez was so impressive off the left that I think maybe you can do that a little bit more. Uh, on the weekend and so I think that's the team I would go for Yeah it's certainly um, some very interesting dilemmas and obviously whoever doesn't start especially in those kind of midfield and attacking roles can can come on off the bench potentially and make that impact it's interesting like that Dan mentioned sort of not maybe experimenting in a game like this obviously last, last season Liverpool took one of their biggest mm. experiments but the stakes were a lot lower for them, they, they could kind of afford to do that, whereas now it's a little bit obviously more finely balanced. But yeah, we'll leave it there anyway uh, for today's episode. Thanks very much, everyone, for joining us, and thanks to Dan and Jamie for jumping on this morning. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a five star rating. Remember to follow on whatever platform and press the notification button too. We've got an email address and our Twitter usernames in the episode description, so you can follow us on there and send us a message if you like. And yeah, obviously we'll be back after the game against Arsenal at the weekend. An absolutely massive game for Liverpool in the title race already. So make sure you join us for our post-match reaction to that one. But until then, take care.